So I've been at this, what, uh, five and a half years now, preaching here at Wellsprings. That's five summers of doing what we called in the beginning spiritual cinema. Now we call spirit flicks. And this past week, I had just an amazing revelation that I had just completely blew it. Just, just one movie that, that I just, when I show it to you in a, in a minute, you'll get, why has he not preached on that before? Why have they not done the Shawshank Redemption? I mean, this, this is the kind of movie when it comes on, I'm just kind of channel surfing. I stick and I stop and I stay right there. And for the next two, two and a half hours, I'm watching this movie. This is the story, the Shawshank Redemption from Stephen King's short story, his novella. It's the story of the friendship, the deep friendship between Andy and Red, between Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. This is a redemption story. One of the things I love about this movie so much is that it's not really clear whose redemption story it is. It seems for most of the movie to be the story of Andy's redemption because he spends decades in prison for a crime, for a murder that he did not commit. I love this movie so much because it manages to not, you know, not stint, not hold back on some of the brutality, some of the awfulness of the prison conditions, and yet at the same time, um, it, it somehow manages to also make their experience look a little bit like summer camp simultaneously. Somehow they manage to do both in this movie. Andy eventually finds his release from prison for this crime he did not commit, but it's not really Andy's story. The redemption story that stays with me the most from the Shawshank Redemption is Red's story, Morgan Freeman's story. You see, he is in prison for decades, longer than Andy, for a crime that he did commit, a murder that, as he says when he looks back, if he could talk to his younger self, his teenage self, and tell him what he knows now, he would do things differently. But he can't. Red is the kind of guy in jail who everyone goes to when they need something. He holds a position of almost a kind of power and prestige within the prison walls. And at the end of the movie, Red, once he has finally given up presenting himself as rehabilitated, he knows and he is deeply sorry over the crime that he committed. Once he gives up presenting this image of rehabilitation, that is finally when he is released, when he is paroled as a very old man. An old man who has a certain kind of stability in his life. I mean, it's not what we'd call in any situation happy, but he's free again after many decades. And it appears at first that when we see his post-prison life that he's just kind of going to live out the string. That just he'll be quietly headed out of this life for whatever time he has left. But then something amazing happens, and this is probably the most redemptive part of the story, is that he decides to take a risk, decides to deepen both the uncertainty of his life and the possible depth and meaning that he might draw from his life. And I want to share these words with you, um, and I was going to read them to you. And, you know, I like my own voice. It's okay. I mean, sometimes I cringe when I hear my voice recorded. But seriously, I cannot do justice to Morgan Freeman's own words. So let's hear Morgan Freeman's, Red's own words as he takes this risk. 
I find I'm so excited I can barely sit still a whole thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a free man can feel. A free man at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope I can make it across the border. I hope to see my friend and shake his hand. I hope the Pacific is as blue as it has been in my dreams. letting go of a certain kind of stability, a certain kind of certainty that his life would have to engage a life that he's not sure where it's going to lead him. I love these parts of the words. He says free in the same way a, a free person can feel free at the start of a long journey whose conclusion is uncertain. Letting go of stability, certainty, and engaging risk and possibility. Those words, not I know, but simply, I hope. Not I know this is going to happen, but simply, I hope. And powerful words they are. This message series, this message series on being a beginner, is animated by these words that if you've been around the last few weeks, you've heard before, maybe you've heard beyond Wellsprings. These words from Zen teacher Shunryu Suzuki, who says, In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. I love Red's words, and I love the conclusion of that story, that redemption story, because Red embraces beginner's mind, embraces the possibilities of, even as a very old man, stepping out into the uncertain and open road again to become something that he is not yet. I've been thinking a lot about stability and possibility and the relationship between these two realities. Many of us, if you're at all like me, sometimes think, well, if I can just get to this place in my life called stability, just get to this place in my life in which kind of everything is okay, you know, everything's going to be stable, then, ah, then I can be happy. (laughs) just where everything will work out and I can see all the risks and I can see all the rewards. And at that point, ah, then I can let my hair down, my hands drop, everything will be cool. But we know that's not really the way life is. That yes, if we could perfectly balance our life 50-50, work, home, intimate relationship, other friendships, you know, we could just get to that stable point and all be good. But I think that's not the deepest goal in life, to wait for that stability that for many of us doesn't really ever arrive, and we can wait a long time for that moment that never comes. Instead, as beginner's mind encourages us to do, to instead open ourselves up to the presence of real possibility, to the fluidity and the dynamism of a life that engages uncertainty, and let's go over a little bit of that quest for stability to open up to what may be. I've been thinking a lot about stability and possibility here at Wellsprings. Now, for those of you who've been around for a few months or a number of months, maybe all the way since last January, you might remember, or I'm telling you this for the first time, 
that if you're here on birthday Sunday, our fifth birthday, in which we celebrated a lot of the amazing things that Wellsprings has done as a new spiritual community, our first five years of existence, we had a lot to celebrate. And then I also had that day in preaching a little less happy responsibility, but a necessary part, which is to talk about for all the success and for all the growth that we had had here at Wellsprings, that one other thing was abundantly true as well which is that as a startup congregation, we were very, very quickly burning through that initial capital. That nest egg that we had, well, it was just becoming a few threadbare twigs. We had to make some changes. And I can tell you today, with a lot of gratitude, that we have gotten to a place of stability here at Wellsprings. We have gotten to a place of stability. We had to make... (laughs) 930 wasn't as fresh with stability as you guys are. Maybe it's because you guys like to sleep in and come to the 11. I don't know. But I think it's still worthy of applause. We've gotten to a place of stability. And we've had to do it through some difficult cuts. Some cuts we would have rather not have made. But not just through the cuts, folks. I mean, for those of you who've been reading the Wellsprings Weekly, it comes out at the end of every, every week, but at the end of every month, we give you a financial report. And what's really cool to see is that just about every month for the last six, seven months now, after those cuts started to take effect, and also as our generosity started to rise, that Wellsprings now breaks even every month or in fact has surpluses. We have reached stability Our nest is a nest again, to put it that way. It's not just a bunch of twigs. And so I have tremendous gratitude for everyone who has been able to reach deeper, perhaps test themselves a little bit, give in such a way so that Wellsprings can reach this place in which we're not in a dire situation at all anymore. And yet, everything I said about stability at the beginning of this message completely is true. Our life here is not simply about stability. Wellsprings, or the health of Wellsprings, cannot be measured by simply having a balanced budget. It's good, and it's better than not having an unbalanced budget, but it is not what we are here to achieve together. This place of stability where we are, it is a stepping stone not a stop sign. We have done really great things together these last six, seven months, eight months, nine months together. And still, I recognize, because I've been in other spiritual communities that have done this, and I know this within my own life, and maybe you know this within your life, that there is a tendency, I would even say more of a tendency, there is a temptation, a very human temptation, after we go through a tough time, either individually or institutionally, within spiritual community, to kind of say, ah, Now we can just rest. Now everything's okay. Now what comes in is equal to or less than what goes out, or greater than what goes out. So we're okay. We're stable. But that's not really who we are called to be here at Wellsprings. And that is not the deepest nature of the spiritual life. Indeed, it's not the nature of any really healthy institution. 
just having things even out, just going for stability. There's a guy named Donald Schoen who was a, a writer and a, 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 a taught about business and organizational life in 1970s, early 1970s. And this was, he wrote these words before the information had kind of exploded the sense of possibility and also the uncertainty and the chaos in so many of our lives. He said, what is curious is not that we are forced at various intervals to abandon some stable state, but that we manage to maintain belief in this supposed stable state in the first place. But he's saying that life is change and growth and uncertainty and risk. I use this next reading in a lot of weddings and marriages that I do. Anne Morrill Lindbergh, A Gift from the Sea. A lot of couples choose this when they are making their vows to each other. And sometimes I wonder if they really realize what they're saying. Because <laughs> it takes a long time to live into this wisdom. She wrote, we insist on permanency, on duration, on continuity. When the only continuity possible in life as in love is in growth, it is in fluidity, in freedom, in the sense that dancers are free, barely touching as they pass, but partners in the same pattern. This is a fluid life in any relationship we have, most profoundly in our relationship with our own hearts and our own minds internally. In this kind of relationship, embracing possibility, embracing the uncertainty of hope. That's what I want to talk about here today with Wellsprings. Because stability and balanced budgets, not our goal. Good thing, but not our goal. Our goal here together is to live lives truly charged full with the charge of the soul. Not where we're just saying, ah, okay, we can ease up now. We're going to stop challenging ourselves. We're going to stop aspiring. But to be really, truly, vitally alive all of us need to recognize that the deepest embrace of who we are is a kind of freedom that is graceful and also can sometimes be very scary. That is living life charged full with the charge of the soul. Not just doing the safe thing over and over and over again because eventually that becomes what we all know. Going through the motions becomes a way to find ourselves in a rut. But to connect here, to connect and be charged so that we're living out the mission of this community. Let me tell you about my favorite part of the last number of months since birthday Sunday. It has not been, believe it or not, although I can't sleep better, um, it has not been that now most months we have more coming in than we have going out. I like that. Don't get me wrong about that. I really like that. Now, the best parts of the time since last January and birthday Sunday is this, that it's more than people just giving more financially, although we're so grateful for that, and I am so grateful for that. It is that I have had so many serious, heartfelt, deep, and rich conversations with individuals and leaders and the teams of this congregation in which people are talking about what do we really yearn to do and aspire to do together. That's what I've heard over and over again, which is to say there's a new birth of this kind of embracing aspirational freedom here at Wellsprings, a new sense of ownership. What can we do together? And so I'm going to share with you right now a number of these aspirations, and I want you to see and really, uh, if you can, open all of our minds and all of our hearts to the fact that the number of things I'm going to list here are a whole bunch of things to do. 
but they're not just things that we're doing. These are aspirations about who we yearn to be together so that we truly can live lives charged full with the charge of the soul. These are about qualities of how we wish to care for each other and connect with each other and be there for each other and be there for the people who are not yet in the seats around you that are still unoccupied. That's what these aspirations are about. It's not just a to-do list. It is who we yearn to be together so that we can keep reaching further in and we can keep reaching further out. That's what the deepest part of the spiritual life encourages us to do. Keep reaching further in and keep reaching further out beyond ourselves. The first of these aspirations is this. Youth spirit, such an important ministry in our midst here. The cultivation of the natural potential for spiritual growth within all of us and especially within our kids. Now, one of the things that uh, Becky, our youth spirit director, and I have recognized in the first few years of Wellsprings is that we have not been able to do nearly as much programming and ministry with our youth. And by youth, I'm really talking about teenagers. And that has been to our detriment. It really has been. See, teenagers obviously face a lot of risks and a lot of challenges and a lot of choices, and discerning what is a healthy risk and what's an unhealthy risk is probably the most important thing that teenagers need to understand for themselves. And so our first aspiration is to launch this coming January a coming-of-age program for our teens to help equip them to understand that the questions they are asking themselves about their life's meaning and purpose and what really matters to them and what they can trust, that their answers may change over time, but the questions they are starting to ask themselves at this age, 13, 14, 15, these questions will follow them through their lives. I mean, I was bar mitzvah. That was my coming of age within the Jewish tradition. And I got to tell you, I, I, I love the party. <laughs> and, and I got a, a kind of a warm sense, a warm feeling, but honestly, I got taught how to read phonetically words that I did not understand the meaning of. That's not our coming-of-age program or our vision or aspiration for it here at Wellsprings. And so this is what we want to launch for our younger teenagers, the opportunity to ask themselves, what do you really trust? What do you really set your hearts upon? What is the kind of faith and spiritual growth that will help sustain you and help you be healthy and whole? Continuing with that, the second thing under there is OWL, our whole lives. Our whole lives, a comprehensive sexuality-based curriculum that we have done with our younger kids. And what we've heard from our parents is, please give it to our kids again. <laughs> and so our next aspiration is to include that for our high school kids. And that means some improved training. That's why Andrea, who many of you know, who normally occupies this space right here, isn't here. She's off getting trained so she can be a teacher, and a mentor for the kids. And then finally, tools using technology. We know that there's so many different ways that kids communicate with each other, and very often spiritual communities fall behind on the aspect of communicating their quote-unquote timeless truths. And we believe we have some timeless truths here at Wellsprings. But how do you communicate those with kids who are used to communicating with these following them all around? We'd like to get a whole bunch of iPads for each of our classrooms so that we can continue digging into the stories that matter deeply to our kids. I mean, you know, the amount of times that, for example, Finding Nemo comes up in conversations, I mean, it'd be an awesome thing to say, boom, here's a five-minute clip of Nemo, folks. Let's start kids and adults finding the deep meaning there. 
So the next aspiration, the next aspiration, it's up there, is pastoral care. One of the difficult choices we had to make, one of the difficult choices we had to make was to let go of our office. It simply cost too much, and we didn't want to let anyone go on staff. And by the way, it's actually turned out to be a great opportunity for us because now we are hosting all of our small groups and our team meetings here at, and it's at the 930 service, I said, here at Wellsprings. Don't tell the Montgomery School about that, but it really does feel like our energies have kind of coalesced here and come together, and we love being here at the school, and we shared all this great technology with them, so they've benefited from the partnership as well, too. But there is one way in which being without an office really is not at all optimal. It is in those moments, as I've shared with a number of you, very key moments, very powerful moments, moments in which you're hurting, or in need of a conversation that will help you connect when you're not quite sure who you can connect with, I can tell you those moments of pastoral counseling are not made for a Starbucks. The opportunity to connect with safety and trust and confidentiality when you need it is something that we can't honor right now. And so one of our goals, one of our aspirations is to add back into the budget, very small office space. We don't need an office suite like we had before. Very small office space so that when the time comes when you need to connect in a way with trust and confidentiality, we can promise you that we can do that and honor your hurts and also your own healing and your wholeness. The third aspiration I want to share with you today is around something that I've developed within my own practice of ministry, which is mindfulness teaching, which is really about paying attention. I mean, we have so many ways in which our attention can be divided in these days, which I think is why our mindfulness small groups fill up very quickly, why our mindfulness retreats last May and June filled up very quickly. It's not just about the fact that I'm leading it. It's that people want to cultivate this opportunity this capacity to be attentive and to pay, to pay attention and to be aware. Now, one of the things I'd like to do when I can find the time, and by the way, me saying this to you means that I will find the time, but it means some resources. I am ready to write a whole bunch of mindfulness scripts, guided meditations, yoga, body scan, loving kindness, all kinds of different meditations that people can share amongst themselves, with their friends. You can take them whatever you want. And I know my voice isn't quite as good as Morgan Freeman's or as rich. If we could afford Morgan Freeman to do these, to do these mindfulness meditations, we would. But I will have to suffice, okay? I will have to suffice for you. If we want to share these within and beyond the community, and that takes some resources to do that. Speaking of resources, the next one is this. We want to add the capacity for tech and some music advancements. It is our music ministry that we know motivates people to come back and back and back here at Wellsprings. And we've had a vision for a while here that, that some of these songs we do, that I know some of these songs that some of you go to iTunes or you download a whole bunch of songs or you go to Spotify and you build your Wellsprings playlist and then some of you come back real disappointed in me and say, but, but the original versions aren't as good as our versions. We would like to license those songs and record those songs and distribute those songs freely and legally and that will take some resources. We also want to get this service to a point where it can not just be recorded with the messages, but have video podcasting as well. These are aspirations to share who we are in worship in deeper and better ways. Speaking of deeper and better ways, the fifth is more of an intimate thing. 
more of a one-on-one conversation. Those of you who are members of Wellsprings know that after folks join, we do a six-month spiritual growth plan conversation. For many people, it helps to kind of give an orientation to your energy at Wellsprings here so you can kind of strike while the iron's hot and, and get more deeply involved. The only problem is what happens after that six months. Simply, I'm full up. It's the nature of my commitment. That is God's honest truth. I will extend myself and extend myself and extend myself. And we're kind of at our limits of that. And so we want to add some capacity to bring on, at least in the beginning, a part-time director of spiritual development that can reach you at those places as you get deeper here in Wellsprings and say, you know what, I've made some progress, I've made some growth, I've gotten connected. But another clarifying conversation, another little bit of guidance, another little bit of mentorship would help. That's something we can't do now that we want to do in the future. And the sixth and final of these aspirations is this. We have, and it really has gotten launched since January, an addictions and recovery team, a team that by its nature does ministry that is very quiet and that none of us see unless we reach out for it. It's a healing ministry that is confidentiality and confidential and experienced in the context of trust. Now, as we continue to grow this addictions and recovery ministry, we want folks to know that within Wellsprings, there is an opportunity to get connected and to experience companionship, whether it's you who are struggling with addiction or perhaps a beloved family member or maybe a not-so-beloved-anymore family member. But we want to provide more opportunities. And so our vision is next September, next recovery month, to do a Recovery and Addictions Day Expo and to have our outreach not just based upon giving people the name of Wellsprings, but letting people know that our outreach is based on the mission of Wellsprings. And so for that day, we'll bring together healing professionals and recovery groups and let people know that this is a safe place to experience sometimes the most difficult aspects of what it means to be a human being. Now, we want to resource this in a particular fun way. Addictions and recovery stuff, very often, especially in the beginning, it's not much fun. But we're going to resource this expo with a 5K race. We want to, you know, use that to help fund this expo day because that will require some resources as well, too. So a number of these aspirations that we have up here, they're already moving forward. They're already moving forward because it's how we are growing together. But I can't promise for the rest of these things how exactly or when exactly they will come to pass. I can't make that promise right now because it's dependent upon a hope, a risk, an uncertainty that we don't quite know yet. So many people have stepped forward with the ability to give in these last six or seven months, and we are so deeply grateful. That stepping stone is marked with the word gratitude. And I know that there are some of you here today who are seeing these aspirations and maybe getting very excited about them, but you're at that place saying, I cannot give any more. That's okay. One of the reasons that my wife and I are in the position where we give more than just the 3 to 5% that we ask people to give is because I don't give just for myself. I give so that people who may come in to this congregation without the means to be able to give much will find a place that is strong and present for them. Now, at Wellsprings, there's no guilt and there's no obligation in how we talk about money. For those aspirations I just showed you, why should there be any guilt or obligation for that? 
I hope as you saw those things, you got excited about what we yearn to do here together. And you're thinking, if this is your spiritual community, you're thinking about the ways in which the generosity of your time, your money, and your presence, because all those forms of generosity are important and will help those aspirations to come to be. More than money, what I'm talking about today is our willingness as a community to continue stretching. To continue stretching and growing because, as Red said in the Shawshank Redemption, life comes down to a couple choices. You either get busy living or you get busy dying. Life is a nature of evolution, and the nature of evolution is life. There's a teacher that many of you know, a beloved North American Buddhist nun named Pema Chodron, who talks about um, what she calls the dream of constant okayness. <laughs> That's that quest for certainty. She says, so many of us miss our lives, individually or institutionally, because we just have that dream. Everything should be okay all the time. And yet, when that elusive okayness doesn't show up, doesn't come, we find ourselves just so dissatisfied. She said, instead of asking for constant okayness, to ask instead for the opportunity to grow to have a beginner's mind. Because what Wellsprings needs more than anything else if we're going to continue to aspire and grow is we need to be people who are good with non-constant okayness. With the fluidity and the freedom and the uncertainty and the hope of what it means to live lives charged full with the charge of the soul. Not stability, but possibility. So now, today, and in time to come, this is a new beginning moment for Wellsprings. I hope that we will see the possibilities before us, not just these aspirations, because there's others to come, there's others that you may have, and that we will live with a true sense of real abundance. Abundance which is not about what we have or control. Abundance is the possibility that we extend our arms out towards and seek to embrace the beautiful, uncertain, liberating freedom of our lives. I'm going to end with words much wiser than everything I've said here today. It's from Thoreau, Henry David Thoreau, and you may not be able to see them, but you see the little castle up there. Thoreau said, if you have built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. The castles in the air, that is where they should be. Now, go put foundations under them. Our castles are in the air. We're not a congregation that has to reach for noble, amazing, challenging things to do. That's a great thing. I mean, there's all kinds of spiritual communities in America today that just kind of show up and it's one thing after another, after another, after another, same thing, same thing, same thing. Our castles are in the air. Let's put some foundations under them. And be blessed that we have the opportunity to do so. Amen. And may you live in blessing. Let's pray together. O oh, great spirit that calls us beyond okayness. Spirit that knows that in fluidity and freedom and growth. We are challenged and we are tested. 
and we're also liberated and we're freed. To embrace uncertainty means to embrace change, which means to embrace the capacity of our own souls flourishing and the soul of this entire world flourishing. May we allow ourselves to be called ever deeper into the pain, into the promise, into the hurt, and into the healing of this wild, unimaginably rich world. And may our lives be blessed by receiving it all and beginning with it all. Amen.